0: to verse 3, Habakkuk chapter number 2, verses 1 to 3. And I will stand by my watch and set myself on the rampart or the grand post and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said Write the vision and make it plain on tablets That he who may run That he who may run who reads it For the vision is yet for an appointed time But at the end it will speak And it will not lie Though it tarries Wait for it Because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Pray with me. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. We exalt you this morning with our whole hearts. Father, we thank you for the spirit of worship. We thank you for your presence and we thank you for your power that is even still here at this moment. Holy Spirit of the living God, only you can change hearts, change minds, bring insight, bring wisdom, lift us out of where we are and to more refined places for eternity. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that the hearer would receive, that this word will fall on good ground. I pray that you would open hearts, open minds to receive this morning what thus saith the Lord to this people. God, I thank you so much, God, that you have allowed me Father, God, the opportunity to share the wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, God, we Lord, we, we just we, we stand, Father, ready to receive. And Father, we know that your word comes with power. So, Lord, move by your Holy Spirit this morning. And God, let everyone who hears this morning hear very clearly and very distinctly so that there is no confusion about what the Holy Spirit is saying to us today. We love you and we praise you. And all God's people said amen. Amen, Amen. you may be seated in the Lord's presence. Uh, For just for um, review, for those of you who have not uh, been here, we have been in a series of messages called Teamwork. And uh, and the purpose of the series was designed to focus on the importance of us working together uh, as a team. Everybody say together. The first week, we explored the power of doing ministry as a team. We looked at all the various ingredients and the positions and how everybody uh, has a particular role on the field of life and that uh, it's important that we fulfill that. And so we looked at uh, ministry as a team and the importance that we think of ourselves as being part of a team, the team of the, team of the Lord. The second week, every, uh, we talked about the fact that every member was a minister. And so the purpose of that message was to get you not thinking that I'm just here to come to church and just kind of receive and leave. But you are here to get equipped so you can serve. Amen. So everybody say equipped to serve every member, a minister. You are a minister of God, no matter where you are. The third week, we talked about how that the team needs your gift how that in order for us to be what God called us to be in this generation, actually starting right here in the church, that your gift, however God wired you, whatever your giftings are, we need your gifts. We need you to bring them to the table because God has fitted us all together and we flourish and we grow when everybody have input. Amen. And so we talked about that in week number four. We talked about the character of your gifts, which was last week. And so we dealt with having the right motives on a team. We talked about how a team could have momentum, but if the character, if someone's character on that team is not right, it can undermine the whole move of the team. And so we talked about as a Christian, that it's important that you have a right, that you have a solid character, that you deal with people in a way that represents Christ with integrity. And that we have character, that our motives are pure, and that our motives are good. And so we talked about that last week. And today I want to talk about team vision. Everybody say team. team. Y'all got to say it. Y'all got to help me better than that. Okay. Everybody say team. team. Team vision. That's what we're going to talk about today. How many of you have cars? I got 100% participation. Great. I've been waiting for that for a long time. Well, if you. Ever driven a car? I don't know if you have ever driven a car that was out of alignment. Um, I I had a car. I had a, we had a, we had a couple of vans. This, the red van that everybody in Stafford happens to know because people see us all over. I hear that all the time. They know what pass is. And um, but right before we had the maroon van, we had another uh, conversion van. Because see, I have a big family, so we had to have space. And. And that van was a great van, but we noticed that after driving the van for a little while, the van started pulling over to one side. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. And so as we're driving the car, we noticed this thing was just kind of pulling. And so and we noticed that the tires on our, our vehicle wasn't lasting no more than maybe eight months to a year. So, of course, uh, I took the car into the mechanic, and the mechanic said, well, your car is out of alignment. And what's happening is because your car is not aligned properly, then even though the car is moving, it's actually kind of fighting it against itself because it's not properly aligned. And there's more wear and tear. How I many you know what I'm talking about? Your t- if your car is not aligned, you better go get it fixed. It will cost you more money in the long run. And so, and so what happened was that we, we, he said, you've got to get the car in alignment. And so when he put the car back in alignment, I noticed something that was powerful that the vehicle began to move down the road with ease. And, and everything that seemed to work, it wasn't that I wasn't making some progress, it was just, it seemed hard. I mean, you, you know, you don't like to drive and have to be trying to pull the steering wheel back this way, amen? That drives me absolutely nuts, I don't know about you. Well, it's the same concept with the church. Think about church, that if we're gonna do church the way God wants us to do it, how do know that everybody has to be aligned? When everything is aligned the way that it's supposed to run, how many know that it runs a lot smoother? It runs a lot more efficiently when we're all on the same page. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. So, in order for us to build a strong team, we have to have everybody pulling for the same cause. Amen? Everybody say, y'all gotta help me this morning. When I say amen, you say amen back, okay? That's all I want you to do, just act like you're listening, even if you're not. Amen? amen great all right so so in order to have a a strong team to have a a strong ministry a strong church we have to have everybody pulling in the same direction in fact one thing that is worse than a church without a vision is is a church with too many visions I mean know that too many visions can cause problems you know they have CEOs for a reason amen they have presidents for a reason amen They have uh, colonels in the military for a reason, amen, because they want to set direction and let the troops know where you're supposed to go. And so, so a church without a vision is a dangerous thing. We all must understand that when we don't have a common goal by which we're all moving toward, it so seas of division. And ultimately, the church just become an assembly of a, a political assembly where everybody is kind of a, a lobbying for their own agenda. And so you're here this morning and I hope you understand this. And I want to I want to set the set the tone here for what we're going to be talking about. It's important that you know that what I'm going to be talking about this morning, relative, obviously, to Foundation Church, but you need to recognize and understand who you are as a Christian, who God called you to be. And I want to start with, with, with helping us to understand when we talk about Foundation Church, who are we? What is, if somebody came to you who go here and who are members here, and somebody said to you, uh, what is Foundation Church about? What is your, what, your direction? Where are you going? Can you answer that affirmatively and say, oh, I know exactly what that church is all about? If you're sitting here this morning, you're thinking to yourself, I don't know. I, well, you know, he, 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 he preaches okay. That's not what I'm talking about. So we have a vision. We have a direction that God wants to take us. And so the reason why we are foundation church is because our ministry and the way God has put it to me when God called me into ministry in 1997 is when I felt the call to ministry. And what God put in my spirit was this thing of foundation, building firm foundations in every believer. And for us, foundation really means discipleship. Everybody say discipleship. Found In order to build a strong foundation, how do you get there is through the process of discipleship. Now, I'm going to say something else to you this morning. There are many Christians, right? But not every Christian is disciple. Just because you're a Christian don't mean you are a discipled Christian because the word Christian means one who professes, one who believes in Christ, Right? A disciple means a pupil a, a, a pupil, a learner, a follower of Jesus Christ. This is a, a student. This is one that has made a decision in his or her mind that I'm going to pattern my life after Christ. That's a disciple. Amen. Now, I'm going to say something else. How me know that God expects all of you to be disciples? Amen. Amen. Not just Christians. How many of you want to have an impact in your generation? How many of you want to achieve something great for God? Well, It starts with this principle of discipleship. Now, I will be the first to tell you this is a lost thing that we don't like to talk about much in church today. Because discipleship, I say often that salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your life. Mm. Now, I want to say some things this morning, and I hope you don't get scared. Uh, or as we say in the country, scared. I hope you don't get scared. I, don't, I hope you don't get bothered and say, oh, my God. I, 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 because because if foundation, how many know that you as a Christian are only as strong as your foundation? Amen. All right? You are only as strong as your foundation. I, mean, I mean, I've seen some marvelous structures. But if a structure, you know, when it was, re- I went to New York City last year. And I remember I stopped by where the Twin Towers went down at. And, and, and I noticed that when they were building the foundation, because they're they rebuilding that thing, and they built a real tall building. I think it's now the tallest, the one that they have up there now It's the tallest in the city. But one of the things I noticed that it seemed like it took them a real long time in order to build the foundation. You know why? Because the foundation is everything. Because as the scripture says, if the foundation be destroyed, what will the righteous do? You hear me? So if, if, if the foundation is weak and the foundation has cracks, how many know that things will come against that thing, that the, that the atmosphere, that the, situ- that the rain, the storms, the wind, if the foundation ain't right, that thing gonna fall? How many know that there, there are too many of God's people whose foundation is a little shaky and, and they're not being able to stand firm in the Lord? You know why? Because their foundation is not right. Now understand something, you are going to have challenges in your life. You understand that, right? You know that. Listen, you, you're gonna have problems health-wise, you're gonna have problems relationally, you're, you're encounter problems financially, Life is filled with problems. But you know that, that if you have your foundation right in Jesus, that no matter what comes your way, you are still standing firm. You are still giving God the praise. You are still worshiping him. You are just as committed as you were before the storm happened. Why? Because I'm the discipled Christian. I, my roots have been dug down deep. And too many of God's people, they're, they're wish-washy. Too many of God's people, they're in and out. When the trouble comes, and' like, oh man, trouble, oh man, I ain't going to church today. That seemed like a, a good time to go to church when trouble comes. Oh, oh it's raining today, I don't, to, don't wanna get wet. But I don't see you saying that to that man who pays you from nine to five. See, now, oh, we're going to talk about some of this. Listen, but Jesus is saying to us, I'm going to show you something in the word. That, you know, that's why I love the Bible. Everything I say to you, I'm going to back up scripturally. Amen. And I, here's what I want you to say. Here's what I want you to understand. If you ever hear anything coming from me and I cannot back it up with scripture, don't listen to it. Throw it out, do whatever you wanna do with it. But if I preach you the word and you can read it with your own eyes, then just say, that's right, no resistance, receive it. That's why we tell you all the time, we come to our church, we say get your pens, get your pencil, we want you to write, we want you to get this thing down because we're not here to play church, amen? We're, we are here to make disciples. So Foundation Church is not just a church, watch this, I've heard this, this misnomer, well, foundation church is a church just for young believers. No, it's not just for young believers. How many you know that you can be saved 15, 20, 30 years and got cracks in your foundation? Yeah. Everybody need a firm foundation. And sometimes you don't really know where you are until the element starts to hit you. You know, the element's more than anything else. It will reveal what you're made of. Then I look at Matthew chapter number seven, if you will. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying so far? I want to make sure I'm not losing nobody. Matthew chapter number seven. As you can tell, I'm not too passionate this morning. There was a joke nobody laughed. Okay. <laughs> Matthew chapter seven, verse 24. Are you there? Verses 24 through 27. Now watch what Jesus says. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine. Now watch. He says now, whoever hears these sayings of mine. And does them, I will liken to him a wise man who built his house on a what? Wow. And the rain descended. How many know it's coming? The floods came. How many know you have floods in life? And the winds blew and beat on that house. So watch this. It did not fall. For it was founded on a rock. So listen to what Jesus is saying now. Jesus says, now, how do you how do you build a firm foundation? Where well, it starts right here. Whatever the Lord says, my response is yes, Lord. Amen. Say yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. See every when you hear it, when you see it, your response. Jesus, if you hear my saying and if you do them, you're well on your way to building a firm foundation. But here's the flip side of it. How do you know? There's a coin. There's a flip side. In verse number 26. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine, watch this. So every time you're tempted to disobey Jesus, I want you to hear this. Everybody look up. Please look up. Every time you are tempted to disobey the Lord, here's what you're flirting with. Understand this. He's, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine, in other words, how do you know it's dangerous to sit in a church that preaches the word? Because you're accountable for what you hear. See, when you come here, you won't be, not be able to face the Lord and say, Lord, I had no idea. Nobody ever told me that. You you, you ain't going to lie on me, I'm going to tell you. (laughs) But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does them, uh, I'm sorry, and does not do them, does not, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the what? Sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and watch this, and the wind blew and beat on that house, and guess what? It fell, but not only that, it said that thing fell greatly. So every time God shows you truth, every time Jesus shows you truth, and you willfully don't acquiesce to what he said, you got some serious cracks in your foundation. Because trouble is going to come, wind is going to blow, and guess what, you're going to experience some failure. So we got it. So let's start there. Let's start with the fact that let, let's let's understand that if we're going to build a strong foundation. How many know we need to listen to the master builder? Amen. We need to listen to Jesus. Don't listen to Pastor. I told you if Pastor Bailey's saying it and Pastor Bailey can't back it up from the word, you're under no obligation. I'll be the first one to tell you that. That's why I try to keep my opinions to myself. Amen. Amen. I try to stick with the word because I'm a preacher of the word and you are a preacher of the word. If you're a discipled Christian and we're going to talk a little bit more about discipleship thing. So, so we understand that the results of improper foundation, just so you know, here's the results of an improper foundation as a Christian, lack of vision and direction in life, no sense of urgency or obligation to share your faith. You know, there are believers who are out there who don't believe that they really have any obligation to share their faith with anybody. How many know that's a serious flaw in that foundation? Something did not get communicated. Some some information got dropped because how many know that when you are a Christian, we have an obligation to share the gospel. This is not an option. Look, it's not optional whether I want to share. No, no. You are called to do this now. He said you freely receive, now freely what? Give. How many know that he's giving you salvation for free? then share it with somebody else, right? Inconsistent commitment to Christ is another uh, indication of a weak foundation. Christians that are self-centered, a lack of Christ-likeness. You see, we need to move away from all, that, all, all of that. And so what foundation church seeks to do is to build the foundation, It's, it's to take us back. To, to make, and and if, you've been, if you're a new believer and you're just getting started in this thing, you had a great time. I, I, I take, I like the golf. And uh, one of the things, that I, and I've taken a couple of golf lessons in my day, so there, there, there was a couple of times when the golf instructor said to me, because before I went to a golf instructor, I, I figured out I'm gonna to try to do this on my own. So I went to the driving range, and I tried to hit the ball on my own, being my own teacher, doing it my own way for about three or four years, so I realized it ain't working. So I hired me an instructor. Instructor says to me, he says, um, we are gonna have to change everything you've been doing for three. I said, "Why? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Why gotta change everything? Because I mean, I, I can hit the ball. There are some things that I know I do pretty good." He said, "No, no, no! You're gonna change everything." He's, "In fact, for a while, it's gonna be like you never swung the golf club ever." I'm like, "Man, you're kidding me!" And and and, and so the guy and I sit there and he sit, and, I, and the guy told me he says he says, uh, uh, "This is the only way you're gonna do it if you want me to do it because in order for you to really know how to golf." Right. You got to get the foundation right. Your foundation was flawed from the beginning and you've gotten comfortable with that. See, see, too many Christians have a flawed foundation and they've gotten comfortable. And so for some of you who've been in this thing for a while and you say, "Well, well, I go to church, I've been going to church for my youth. My mama kept me in the church. It amazed me. I asked people, how, how long they have been saying, How long have been walking with the Lord? Uh, I've been going to church. I didn't ask you how long have you been going to church. How long have you been walking with the Lord? Well, you know, I, I got baptized. I didn't ask you about your baptism. How long have you been walking with the Lord? Answer the question. So we want to take you back to get you to understand what Christianity is and what foundation church exists. Why are we here today? What are we all about? Now let's look at another verse. Look at Luke chapter 14. Are y'all still with me? Yes. I didn't lose anybody, right? No. Y'all not mad at me? No. Y'all still love Pastor? Please say yes. yes. I need your love. I need your love. All right. Now, here's one of those hard sayings that Jesus said, right? It's one of those hard sayings, I know. But this is so important. <laughs> you there, say Amen. All right. If anyone, Jesus, watch Jesus said. This is Jesus. In verses, uh, in, let's start in verse uh, well, let's just go ahead and start in verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not watch this now, hate, everybody say hate his father, his mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters. If that wasn't enough, look what else he says. And yes, in his own life also. Everybody say that's a lot. But look what he says. He cannot be my disciple. Do you hear that? Let me read that verse again. If anyone comes to me, so if you want to come to Jesus, he says, and you do not hate your, your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers, your sisters, and yes, and his own life, he cannot. He didn't say he might. He said, you can't be my disciple. Now, let's set the record straight because I want to help some of you because some of you look like you look a little bit confused. Now, you know that Jesus says we're to love and to honor our mother and the fathers. He says we're to love one another, right? So Jesus is not saying that we ought to hate our mother, hate our brother, hate our fathers and our sisters. And he's not saying that at all. What he's saying is that your allegiance and your love for me must be greater than all of them put together. That I am to be before everybody and everything else. And yes, even your own life. Now, he says, If you don't come to me like that, you can't be my disciple. And we have too many people that's, I mean, no, we have too many people still trying to hold on to their life. Jesus says, if you try to hold on your life, you'll lose it. He said, if you're trying to hold on to what you was, you're going to lose it. He said, but if you give it to me, you'll find life. You will find everything in life that you want. You'll find fulfillment. You'll find joy. You'll find purpose. You will find it all when you give it all to Jesus. Now, there are too many people that that, that have a fundamental flaw that are cracking that foundation. And here's what I mean when I say that. Is that this is not taught to people when they first come in. How many of you would say that that this was taught to me before you came here? How many say that I I knew, Pastor, I already knew all that. How many of you, when you first got saved, somebody sat you down and told you this verse? Now you see why foundation church exists, right? Because Jesus says foundationally, if you, don't, if you don't come with that mindset, this is the foundation to discipleship. This is where it all starts. It starts with, you've got to be willing to give me everything. You've got to give me your whole life. You can't hold anything, every corner of your life that can be nothing hidden. I want it all. He said, because if you don't come to me that way, you can't be my disciple. I didn't say that. Jesus said that, right? Amen. That's a hard saying, isn't it? Come on, say, talk back to me. It's a hard saying. Yes, but Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you got to be willing to give up everything. Everything, everything, everything. everything. And, and, and and listen. When it comes down to having to make decisions whether to follow Christ or to follow people and, and all of the money, Christ wins every time. He must have first place. If you came to Christ and this principle was never taught to you, then I can tell you right now, you have a crack in your foundation and we're about to shore that thing up. Do you hear me? Amen. How many of you are still receiving this this morning? He said, you cannot be my disciple unless you give up everything. you got to give it all up for Jesus. And so as I was praying about this thing, and I I really began to think about it, one of the things that were so frustrating for me is I have a passion to see people. This is my passion. It's just to see people grow up in the things of God that they they mature in life and how to deal with situations and circumstances, that they mature, they understand how to process things because they've been rooted and they've been grounded and and, and they live their life with one agenda primarily, that is to please God, please God. My My number one responsibility, I gotta please God. If what I'm doing is not pleasing God, I must be willing to lay it down So I ain't doing that. But you know what he said too? You got to be willing to give up even your own life. And you hear people all the time, they talk about how they are and they don't, they're just this way. If your way ain't God's way, you got to give it up, honey. Or guess what? You can't be his disciple. You can say you're a Christian all day long, but you'll never be a disciple until you adopt this concept. I it. When I came into the faith, this was explained to me. That's why I thought long and hard. It took me a good while to come to Christ because I knew that it was going to cost me my life. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do that. That was me. I was like, I, so for me, I was like, I don't know. I, I was, I, when I was in sin, like some of y'all was, was sin and y'all would still go to church. I stayed away. I, I, I couldn't do that. You know, I used to tease my, my wife. <laughs> I ain't going to mess with her. But, you know. I will do that because she, I have to, I live with her, so I don't, but, but, you know, I can't go to, I, I couldn't do it. Because I knew that this thing would cost me everything. And so when I came into it, there was no misunderstandings on my part. I fully knew, man, that I got to give up my life. I got to, and and the reason why so many believers are, are struggling today with just basic stuff. Is because they never ever came to this place where they said, I've given up everything for Jesus. They are still trying to hold on to the thing that Jesus wanted to deliver you from. Are you following me? Now, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So we're gonna make firm, we're gonna make strong disciples, and we're gonna shear sure up the foundation. Everybody say foundation. Now, do y'all have a, a better picture of what foundation church is? Please say amen. You understand that now, right? Now, so as I prayed about this, the Lord says, I said, Lord, how do we then get people to this place of being strong disciples? Now, let me hasten to say this before I forget, because I got my mind is like racing. But our our job here at Foundation Church is not to just give you information, but we're looking for transformation. All right. So Jesus said, go and make theologians. He didn't say go and make people that can quote every single verse in the Bible. He said go and make disciples. Disciple has more to do with a lifestyle that's been transformed than how much you what? No. Are you following me? So he said go make disciples, a learner, a people, a student, somebody who follows. How many know if you've been walking with Jesus for a little while, somebody ought to know it? If, nobody, if people can't look at their life and they don't see no Jesus, something is wrong. That's a huge gap now. So are you in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 11? So, so we talk about Foundation Church and what are we doing in this house. How do we sure up the Foundation and Foundation Church? How do we get all of our people uh, 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 with a, a strong um, uh, uh, orientation toward discipleship. How do we build our people so that when the winds come and the waves blow that our people are standing firm and strong? How do we do that? You know what the Lord said to me? The Lord says, do it like I did it. He said, I've showed you how to make disciples, Gary. I've showed you. Do it like I did it. I said, okay, I like that, God. Now look at 1 Corinthians. We'll, we'll share that here in a second. First Corinthians chapter number three, Uh, starting at verse 10. Now, here's what Paul said. Paul says, now, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation and another builds on it. But watch this. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. Now, watch this. Now, listen to this. He says, so now let everybody take heed to how he builds on it. On it, He says, now for no other foundation, everybody say no other. no other, no other. That's what he said. Paul said, no other foundation can anyone lay, watch this, other than that which is what laid, which is who? Jesus Christ. How do you know he knew how to make disciples? So we talk about making disciples. You got to understand something. So how did Jesus make strong disciples? Now, first, you must understand this. Everybody that Jesus spoke to, Jesus had large crowds following him. There were some times when the crowd would walk away from him. You know, like one time Jesus said to all the, all the people that were listening, he said, I want you to drink my blood and eat my flesh. And a lot of them said, see you later. Bye. He, he, he's in the cannibalism. No. Mm. Uh, there were times when Jesus would explain things in parables to the masses and Jesus, would, and the disciples say, well, Lord, what did you mean by that? And Jesus, what would, 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 oftentimes he was sitting, he would explain to the 12. See? So he preached to the masses, but he discipled the 12. You stand with me? Amen. All right? He preached to the masses, Amen. but he discipled the 12. Amen. And the discipleship process took about three years. All right? So how did Jesus disciple? Well, number one, he, did we got that? No. Number one, we he called them out one by one. He called them out. You remember when Jesus was walking, he saw Peter. He said, come, follow me. Matthew, come, whatever, whatever your job, I want you to come. I want you to follow me because I'm going to I'm, I'm, I'm going to show you things you've never seen before. I'm going to take you places you've never been before. So Jesus went. And he went to every one of his disciples. He reached them one by one. You know how we reach people. You want to know how we reach people? One person at a time. Amen. Just one person at a time. We're not asking you to fill this place up. We're just asking you asking everybody in here. Do you not know? Watch this. How many? I don't know how many people we got in here. Let's just say we got 25, 30, 40 people here, right? If we were, if every one of you in this room brought in one person, we double. Just one person. How are we going to get to church? Jesus, when he made his disciples, so first he called them out. He went one by one. He picked them. And he ministered to their need And he helped them. Number two, he discipled and mentored them in small group. Everybody say small group. group. Say that a little bit loud. small group. So think about it. You remember I said earlier that Jesus, when he dealt with the 12, he often, he, he would share things with the 12. He didn't share it with everybody else because he knew that everybody else was going to buy in. You remember the rich young ruler? He ran up to Jesus. He said, he runs up, the rich young ruler. He said, he said, Lord, Lord. He said, I've kept the word. I've obeyed everything. What else do I need to do? Jesus said, okay, I want you to take your money and go sell everything and follow me. He said, No. <laughs> no. And when he said, watch this, and when he said to the folk, when he told them to drink his blood and eat his flesh, after everybody walked away from him, there's a whole bunch of people following him. And how many you know Jesus would say things on purpose? Because he knew who it was that was really with him. And when everybody walked away, you know, he said he looked at the 12. He looked at the 12. He said this, what are you going to do? And oh boy Peter stood up. Peter says, Lord, where will you go? You have the worries of life. We're not going anywhere. You see, it was the twelve. It was the twelve who took on the ministry of Christ. It was the twelve that made the difference. It was the twelve that Jesus shared his most intimate life with, and it was in a small group setting. Now, let me give you some advantages of a small group. Are you still with me? Say Amen. Advantage of a small group is, it's tailor-made to you. See, it would be improper for you to stop me while I'm in preaching to ask me about uh, how, how you just had a bad fight with your wife last night. This wouldn't be the time to do that, right? Y'all, y'all still with me? You're not going to stop me in the middle of a sermon and ask me. Well, I, oh, I know what it is. No, nobody here has any issues with their you know, husband wife relationship with great. You don't have any of those issues. Oh, I'm sorry, y'all. Just, okay? So small group is, it meets you where you are. And so Jesus was able, you know, there was one time when the disciples, they were arguing, they were fuss, and they were arguing about stuff like, who's going to be the greatest? Ah, who, then one time, Peter, Peter and John said, Lord, I want to sit on your right hand, and I want to sit on your left. And Jesus had to tell them, said, no, 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 if, let, me, let me explain something to you now. If you want to be great, if you want to be great, you got to be a servant at all. He said that to the 12. When he was explaining deep things and, and they were in parables and they would say, Lord, Lord, um, what, did, what did that mean? And Jesus would pull over the 12 on his side and he would explain to them what it meant. You know why? Because he was discipling them. Watch this. It's, watch this. It's small groups meet you where you are. No one gets left behind in a small group setting because there are relationships forming. Amen. You have a life coach in small group. Let me know that just coming to church on Sunday and walking out don't make you accountable to nobody. It is harder for you to grow. Hear me, people. Let me tell you how I grew fast. People ask me oftentimes, though, no, Pastor, how can you remember certain scriptures? How come you and they think that, listen, I had people, I was a part of small groups, and I grew exponentially. I grew fast. You know why? Because I was with some people that I could talk to and, and help answer the question that I had. So, so I grew and I was accountable. How I many know that the apostles, the disciples, they grew immeasurably. You know why they grew? Because they were accountable to each other. They were accountable to Jesus. They spent time together. They were in relationship together. Amen. That's another one. Small groups foster good relationships. See, how many know, it's, even though the disciples went through a whole lot of stuff, how many know that they never quit on God? They only lost one, that was Judas. That's the one that betrayed him. But that was destined to happen. But the disciples, how many know, they, m- most of them, but not all of them, died for the faith. You don't die for something unless you're deep into it. Okay? They died for the faith, and I'm going to tell you why they did it. Because foundationally, they were discipled by Jesus, and they understood how to process life. See, growth will be quick. People are more likely to open up. How many you know that, that when you develop relationships with people, you're more likely to share with them how you really feel, right? Because I'm more comfortable with you. But how many you know that if, 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 in, in, a, in, a, in a Sunday setting, it's really hard to do that if I only see you once a week? And if you're on vacation, I might not see you for three or four weeks. Some of you got like that, you got long vacation. I don't get that kind of vacation time, all right? So so I want you to hear this. So I want you to get this into your spirit. Small groups is the engine that drives Foundation Church. Small groups is something that we're, listen, Our church will be built around small groups. Why do I say that? Because it's the best way to learn and disciple you. I'm I'm, I'm not interested in just trying to preach a good word to you. So you say, "Pastor, good word. I'm interested in your life being transformed. So Foundation Church is not a church that do small groups. Foundation is a church of small groups. And these groups will develop around life issues. But you will be in environments where you're gonna get discipled, you're gonna get, get their questions answered, you're gonna grow like you've never grown before, and you're gonna experience the kind of joy that you've never experienced before. And our goal is, watch well, this, I'll go, somebody said to me on, on the plane the other day, they said, man, that's a crazy goal, that ain't gonna never happen. I said, we're gonna believe God for 100% of participation that everybody in our church will get connected in a small group. Well, that ain't going to happen. Well, you know what? If, that, if it doesn't happen, that's fine. But let me explain something to you. That doesn't mean we're going to lower the bar. We're going we're gonna to ask every one of you to get plugged in into some small group in the life of the church. And this is going to be evolving in our church because we're a discipleship church. Remember, we said, that, say Jesus model. Okay, y'all have said, say Jesus model. Nice and loud. Say Jesus model. Jesus made disciples Number one, how did he do it? He called them out, right? Number two, he discipled and he mentored them in the small groups. Thank you, brother. And number three, watch this, he released them. He released them. Look at at Mark, real quick. Look at Mark chapter number six. How many know that Jesus gave the disciples on the job training? And sometimes they would completely blow it. In Mark chapter 6, verse 7 through 13, I'll just read a little bit of this because we don't have time. And he called the 12 to himself, and he began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. He commanded them to take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. Also he said to them, in whatever place you enter a house, stay there till you depart from that place. And, whatever, uh, and whoever will not receive you, uh, receive you nor hear you when you depart from there, shake off the dust from under your feet as a testimony against them. And then look down to verse number 12. So they went out and preached that people should repent. Watch this. And they cast out many what? Some of y'all are scared right there. Hey, Pastor, I ain't calling up no demons. That's why society is messed up because it's demonically influenced. And if you have no understanding about the demonic, you're fighting an uphill battle. Demons are real. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. There's something behind the scenes making things happen the way they happen. You must understand that. And that they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick. And Jesus, what, healed them. Now, understand, there was one place where Jesus sent his disciple out to work. He, he'd minister to them. He would talk with them, and he would say, okay, now I'm going to release you to do it. There was one time when they prayed for somebody to be healed to cast out a demon, and the disciples couldn't do it. And, and they came back, to Jesus, Jesus, how come your disciple can't cast out the demons? And, and, and then the disciples went and said, Jesus, how come we can't cast out the demons? And Jesus says, well, you got to understand, because you have little faith. He said, oh, you bring them bring, bring to me. Let me touch them because, oh, you of little faith. What was Jesus doing? He was on the job training. Right? So he called them. He mentored, discipled them, and he released them. He said, now you go do ministry. See, at Foundation Church, we are equipping you not to sit here and get fat with the word, but to exercise the word and go make other disciples. Amen. See? So if you're thinking, I don't want to be that discipleship stuff. I ain't asked for that pastor. Not the right church, probably. (laughs) Because this church is for people who want to be great. This is for people who want to be great in God's kingdom. This is for people that want to do it God's way. Are you tracking with me? So he released them. So what we're doing is we're raising up disciples and we're going to release you. I tell tell the people on our staff, y'all going to have to grow. Every one of you got to go because I can't listen. You gotta do what I do and do it better. You gotta sit down, you disciple a group. We're gonna, we're gonna call you out, we're gonna decide, we're gonna show you how to do it, and then we're gonna say, now you go do it. Amen. And somebody else will step on to something different. That's what we're called to do here at Foundation Church. Now understand, look at Matthew in closing. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 to 20. Now watch this. He says now, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. This is Matthew 28 verses 19 through 20, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to obey, to observe all things that I've commanded you. See, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, if you look at that particular verse, I'm, I'm, I'm going to run there. You don't have to turn there because I'm about done. I really am. Y'all really can believe that. Amen. Amen. I really am. But I just wanted to show you who Jesus was talking to. And, and, and Matthew in, in, in Matthew 28, uh, look at verse 18. Uh, I'm sorry. Look at verses 16. She don't have it on the screen, but look at it if you got your Bibles. It's starting at verse number 16 in that same chapter. It says, then the 11 disciples went away to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. So Jesus called the, the disciples. The 11, the, the, It was 12 of them, but, you know, Judas betrayed them. So Jesus said, he told the 11, I want you all to meet me at a mountain. Okay? He said, I want you, the 11, meet me at a mountain. And when he gave them... The great commandment, which is to go into all the nations and make what disciples. disciples. Now, who did he give that to? Who did he leave that to? It was the eleven. But who was the character of the eleven? They were the ones that Jesus spent time with. They were the ones that were mentored. They were the ones that was in a small group. They were the ones that he released in the minute. They were the ones that Jesus said, now you go and make, you teach everything I taught you. Jesus knew that they could get it because they spent time with him. He says, now, now, now I want you to go. I want you to do likewise what I did. You go and you make disciples of all nations and tell them to do what I tell them to do. Tell them to obey me. And how do we know that the 12 turned the world upside down, did it not? You know why you're sitting here today is really at the result of 12 apostles. We got more than 12 people in here. Amen. They flipped the world upside down. Amen. Jesus could trust them with the ministry. He didn't just leave. He didn't just preach to the mass and just left. He said, no, you're 11. You don't want to spend three years with me? Come here. Here's what I want you to do. Y'all know how to do it. You know my heart. You know my spirit. You've been with me. Go do this. And boy, let me tell you, they flipped the world upside down. So Foundation Church, we're going to call them out. This, this is the." Foundation Church, we disciple the Jesus model. Everybody say Jesus model. Wow. That's what you want to tell people. We're about discipleship here, Jesus model. That's what we're about. You want to know what foundation is in a nutshell? It's about, it's about discipleship and getting you plugged in so that you can be released into greatness, into what God has called you to do. And so Foundation Church will, will focused on small groups, assimilations, follow-up, mentoring, Help me know because this is the great way that the people grow. Now, if you're sitting here this morning and and maybe you didn't really know what this ministry is about. I just gave you a snapshot what we're about. So you got a decision to make. How far do I want to go with Did you come into this thing and you only want to give God a little bit? Did you come into Christianity and you still want to hold on to your life? I was surmise that most of us are here today because we know that there's something missing. And you know there's something greater than what you're seeing out in this world. You look around you, there's war, there's violence, there's mistrust, there's deception, there's lying, there's stealing, there's wars, there's rumors of wars. And you know what Jesus said before I come back, it's going to get worse. He didn't say it was going to get better. This is going to get worse. He's already told us, read the Bible. He says how this thing is going to, we ain't seen nothing yet. And so what it's going to take is people that are rooted and grounded in God's word. If you want to grow in this church, I'm going to do everything I can to help you. But like the old saying, I can lead you to the water, but I can't make you drink. God has to do that. And if you're here this morning and you haven't even taken the first step, you've never given your life to Jesus, let me tell you something. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed.